I know what you're thinking. From where you're sitting, I really don't look old enough to have a grandson. I can tell. I put it down to a good skincare regime. <laughs> so what? <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> so this is Noah, and he's my grandson. And um, oh, I wonder how long this is going to last. <laughs> so it's Christmas, and at Christmas we celebrate the birth of a baby. And uh, Noah was born in July, and we celebrated his birth. And every year, we're going to celebrate his birth. Every single year. However, at Christmas, the baby we celebrate is from, was born over 2,000 years ago. Why do we celebrate the birth of a baby from 2,000 years ago? I don't think in 2,000 years we'll be celebrating the birth of our Noah. We might be, but I don't think we will be. I certainly won't be. I won't be around. But I don't think people are going to be celebrating Noah's birth in 2,000 years' time. So why do we celebrate the birth of a baby from 2,000 years ago? Well, in a minute, I'm going to tell you, but first I'm going to hand Noah back to Mum. There you go. Well done, Noah. It's getting heavy. <laughs> that went well. I could have gone either way, couldn't it? Um, <laughs> we celebrate many things and many people. Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But we don't celebrate everybody all the time like we do Jesus. So coming up here is the name of someone. Hopefully, coming up is the name of someone. Hey, it was easier working with Noah. <laughs> I can say that. It's my other son in charge. Well, one of my others. So coming up is a name. Okay, I'll get you started. The name coming up is Thomas Edison. Anybody tell me, what is Thomas Edison famous for? Light bulb. Yes. Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Anyone know what year? Roughly. 18 something? 1879. There you go. So, 1879. It should come up as well. The next name. Yes. Excellent. Well done. The next name is Laszlo. Now, this one should give you a clue. Laszlo Biro. What did he invent? The what? A, he invented the ballpoint pen. Any idea what year? 1917? No. 1938. There you go. The next one, William Addis. They're getting harder. What did William Addis invent? Washing up bowl trainers, no. Wait a minute. William Addis did not invent the zip. So don't think you're getting clever here, okay? 
William Addis. What did he invent? Yes. Who said that? It spoils the fun. 1770. Now, you've seen the answer to the fourth. Don't put the name of the fourth one up. You've seen the answer to the fourth one. It was the zip in 1892. Who invented the zip? Ah, you see. Zippy? No. And it wasn't Bungle either. Who? No, no, no. According to my sources, anyway, it was Whitcomb Judson in 1892. There you go. But guess what? We don't, we don't celebrate these people, do we? We don't have a festival for each of these people. We don't celebrate them. We don't remember them. Most of you won't have heard of many of these people. But then you've got people who have invented things like medicine, life-saving procedures and machines. Do you know who they are? Some of you may do. But again, we don't celebrate them. We don't have a festival all around them. So what is it about Jesus? What is it about him that means we celebrate him in a way that we don't for any other person. Born in the Middle East over 2,000 years ago, with millions of followers, and, might I add, gaining in popularity every year globally. In fact, the book about him, the Bible, if it was recognised in bestseller lists, it would be the top every month, every week, every year, all the time. It's actually excluded from the list. They don't allow it to be in there because they're bored of it being at the top all of the time. <laughs> so we saw what those people did. What did Jesus do? Well, he was born, and we celebrate that. But he also grew up. And in the book about him, the Bible, it tells us all about what he did. He healed people from sickness. He raised people from the dead. He, he brought the most amazing teaching anybody has ever heard. In fact, most societies are based on that teaching, even now. This man really did make history. But he didn't just live. He died. Now, you might say, well, that's not unusual. Most people, in fact, all people, die in the end. So what was special about the death of Jesus? But in order, so in order to understand why Jesus is so significant, we need to understand something else about him. You see, to key, the key to this is not just what Jesus did, but it was who Jesus was, or who Jesus is. Let me read this to you from the Bible. It's been read once. I'm going to read a part of it as well from the book of Hebrews. The words are up there so you can follow along. Not read out loud, you don't have to read out loud with me, but you can follow it. <laughs> Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior 
to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So if who Jesus is, is the significant thing, who is he? Well, this verse talks about him being the exact imprint of God. What it's really saying there is Jesus is God. So when God walks the earth in the form of Jesus, then the world sits up and takes notice. That is why everything he did was so significant. A part of the Bible also says he made purification for sins. What does that mean? Well, mankind kind of decided, well, do you know what? We can do without God. We'll go our own way. We'll do our own thing. But God had already thought of that and said, actually, if that happens, there's a price to pay for that. And because he is perfect and a perfect judge with perfect justice, then the penalty for that had to be paid. But it's like the judge in a court of law. This judge was taking, sitting in residence. I don't know what, what they do, but they're sitting there ready to judge people as they come before them in court. And a man came into court to be judged for the crimes he'd committed. When the judge saw him, he realised it was one of his friends, one of his closest friends that he grew up with. He'd gone through school with him. He'd gone to college with him. But they'd gone their separate ways. He decided to go on and become a judge, and he'd been very successful. His friend had fallen in with the wrong crowd and had committed crimes. And there he was, standing in front of the judge, his friend. The judge looked at him, looked at the crime, and it was obvious he'd committed it. So he pronounced his judgment, the full penalty for the crime, the full fine for the crime to his friend. Then, once he pronounced the fine, he set aside his wig and his gown. He came down from his place and he stood with his friend. He pulled out of the crime. He paid the penalty for him. This is what Jesus has done for us. The penalty for our rebellion against God was death. And the law needed to be satisfied, but our wrongdoing was paid for by Jesus. Let me illustrate this another way. Simon, can you come up and give me a hand? Thanks. You see, as we go through life, we accumulate all sorts of stuff. We do things wrong, things the Bible calls sin. And we wear them. It might be that you're a thief. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. <laughs> or a liar. I picked my victim carefully. Because I, because, I, because I knew he wasn't any of these things. I need to complete my sentences, don't I? It may be that you're a cheat or a murderer or selfish or a swindler or pride might get in your way. 
arrogance, violence. (laughs) But these things that happen to people and they accumulate and they do, they get in the way of a relationship with God. So what did Jesus do? Jesus died in our place, so we didn't have to carry these. So Jesus comes up and he says, that pride, I'll take that. The thieves, I'll take that. Arrogance, murder, I'll take them all. Selfishness, violence, I'll take them. Being a liar, a cheat and a swindler. Jesus took them all on himself so that we could walk free and have a relationship with God. So that perfect judge, that perfect God, actually carried them for us. Thanks, Simon. He carried those things for us. That's what the Bible tells us. So this baby that we celebrate at Christmas, who grew up to be a man, who lived a life that we couldn't live, lived to a standard that we couldn't meet, died the death that we should have had, but died in our place. You see, at Christmas, we can't help but look forward to Easter, to what Jesus did for us on the cross. But it didn't end there. He didn't stay dead. Otherwise, what we're doing here would back from the dead and defeated death itself. So we look to Jesus today, who's restored our relationship with God through what he did for us. He gives us hope in all of the chaos around us, in all of the upheaval, political, military, financial upheaval, climate change, all of these things that rock our world. Jesus gives us hope because our faith is in him not the things around us, because of what he's done for us and because of who he is. So we live a life knowing Jesus and knowing that he's taking care of us no matter what. We approach Christmas with no fear, but with confidence in Jesus as our saviour. This Christmas, we're not scared, we're confident. We're at peace. If you don't know Jesus, you can have that peace today. You can have that confidence in him today. Your relationship with him can be restored. The price is paid. The things you carry, he will take from you and carry them in your place. All those post-it notes... Because we carry some, don't we? He's taken them all. He's willing to take yours. And that could, could just be the most amazing gift that you've ever had at Christmas time.